from the man it's all occurred to, Richard Herring. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks, hey, thanks for coming. Glad you could make it from school. So uh, great to be, thanks to coming here. Uh, this is show five of ten of As It Occurs To Me, or as all the hep cats are calling it, AI Ottoma. Oh yeah, it's the internet stand-up and sketch show with nout taken out. Apart from that nout which remained in. Oh, and that nout as well, and that one. Actually, it's got more nouts in it than most stand-up and sketch shows, despite its bold promises to have no nouts. There were two more in that sentence alone. What I'm trying to say here is it's completely unedited. Anything can happen, but probably won't. There, that, that was something not happening there. And again, this could go on all night. Uh, and you should be glad it's raw and full of mistakes. If we edited it or did retakes, then you'd never have had all the pumpkin fun that we had last week. <laughs> Though apparently I'm not the first to have combined the words cum and pumpkin to make cumkin. Uh, listener Ashley Black directed me to the Urban Dictionary, which defines cumkin thus. You make a jack-o'-lantern, get at least five men to come in said jack-o'-lantern, and then get a woman to put it on her head. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty disgusting, because... Uh, because mainly because the inside of a pumpkin is about the only thing in the world that smells more pungent and disgusting than the mixed semen of at least five men. I imagine. I've only smelled the mixed semen of four men. Uh, it's quite unpleasant. But, uh, but a pumpkin is a big vegetable. I don't think that the cum of five men is going to make enough cum to make much of an impact. Uh, unless the men have all been coming into the pumpkin for the best part of a fortnight and doing nothing else. That's an awful lot of commitment to create something that no woman in her right mind is willingly going to put on her head. There'd be nothing worse than spending the best part of October creating a nice full pumpkin, only, could, only to get to Halloween and discover that no one is willing to wear a massive rotting vegetable helmet full of cold congealed semen. It's worth <laughs> but it's worth looking up Cumkin on www.urbandictionary.com because it genuinely, I'm not kidding, it gives you the chance to buy a mug with their Cumkin definition printed on it. I mean, who would want such a thing? Uh, yeah, well, until, I mean, you know, probably about five of the weirdos who listen to this podcast now, that's five's all you need for a Cumkin, so... Uh, <laughs> The mug would be an odd artefact to have, that's all I'm saying. You'd have to be careful when visitors came round. Uh, more tea, Vicar? Oh, well, yes, my child. How lovely. Mm, thank you, yes. Oh, this mug has a humorous motto on oh, it. What does it say? Um, Let me just put my glasses on. Uh, oh, no, no, I, I actually best take that No, back. no, no, no nonsense. I'm very broad-minded. I love a joke. Let's see. Pumpkin, you make a jack-o'-lantern. You get... Oh, oh my God! Oh, dearie, dearie, dearie me. It's not something oh. I'd want to happen. It's just I, I listen to this podcast. Oh, this... get ye behind me, Satan. No, well, it looks like the Catholics were right when they said Halloween was evil. We're going to have to burn you as a witch. Pumpkin. Or what about if you've been on a hot date? Hi, do you... Uh, do you... Perhaps, do you want to come in for a coffee? Yeah, love to. Yeah. White or black? Oh, white, please. Uh, no problem. Let me just stir that for you. Mm. <laughs> Sugar? Uh, yeah, one, please. Okay. There it goes. That's the uh, that's the sugar there bouncing around in your drink. That's, that's sugar. Yeah, yeah. It's a bit hard. It should oh. dissolve soon. Any <laughs> any minute now. There we go, there we yeah. are, this is old. there we are. Yeah. Oh, um, gosh, what, what does this mug say? No, no, don't read that. Oh, shit. Oh, my God, that's filthy. Is that the stuff you're into? No, look, it's quite hard to explain why. I, look, I've written that on my... You, you see, I listened to this podcast, and, and one week the bloke on it made a mistake. Yeah, because I'd really like to try on one of those <laughs> pumpkins, you know, if you've got one lying around. It's got me... Mm. Really hot, thinking about it. Really? Mm. Result! Hold on, let me just call four friends and give us a fortnight. We'll be right back to you. Mm. Delicious. Well, it might work out, who knows? <laughs> Sorry, Mummy. <laughs> Your daughter eats cum and pumpkins. <laughs> and she really did it. Not just for the sketch. And please welcome... Please welcome the cast of AI Ottoma. 
You may just have heard some of them acting. It's Dan Tetzel, TV's Emma Kennedy and Christian Riley. Hello, hi. Look, come on, you. Come on, you three. Come on. The show has begun. Now take those pumpkins off your heads and say hello. Hello. Oh, hi. Oh, nasty. Nice to be here. I can't get it off. I'm stocking in my pumpkin. That's uh, that's one of the dangers of the pumpkin, of course. It's it's like gloy glue in there. Uh, cut. Come on, gang, let's get that pumpkin off come Christian's on. head. Come, come on, on pull, Christian, get off the pull off the pumpkin. Oh, pull the, come on, get hold it. Is this entertainment? Oh. I mean, is that you? You wouldn't oh, get this on Radio 4, would you? Three people pretending to pull a gourd-like vegetable filled with a mixture of several men's gametes off the head of a musician. I was on Newsnight last week, and now I'm saying pull off the pumpkin. Has, has my career come to this? There you go, Christian. <laughs> You're free now. Oh, God, thanks. I, I didn't like it in there. It's all, it's all right. You're safe now. Come on now. Let me give you a little hug. No, actually, on second thoughts. Uh, so, uh, so, Emma, what's occurred to you this week? Yes, well, uh, it may come as a surprise to uh, some of you that, that, that a woman who enjoys wearing pumpkins, uh, also writes books for children. <laughs> and uh, I think it could almost be a children's book. It's true. I mean, it's and uh, 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 I'm, I'm writing uh, five James and the books. Giant Pumpkin. James and the Giant Pumpkin, yep. And, um, and the first one, uh, Wilma Tenderfoot and the Case of the Frozen Heart. So I'm, I'm doing some school events and going off to schools to um, read bits of it to the little chiddlers. And it was, it, was, it was lovely, it was very nice. And I had a little Q&A session. And one of the characters in my, my books is, is a beagle called Pickle. And, um, and I have a beagle who's called Poppy. And so I thought, oh, I'll, I know, I'll take her with me to the school. And, and all the kids were quite excited. And they thought they'd met the real Pickle from the Wilma Tenderfoot books, The Idiots. <laughs> and one little boy put his hand up this during the, the Q&A session. And he pointed at Poppy and went... Is that a real dog? <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah. That's a real dog, yeah. <laughs> That's so it's just, just uh, quite a nice story. Nice, this they say week. the funniest thing. Not a horrible thing. I thought it was thing. a nice thing. Not to a take horrible story, no, just a nice sweet. one. It's better not like you. When <laughs> no, on. like you pissing in a bucket. No, no. It's, it's not like that story. Do your mum no. and dad listen to anything? Emma's mum and dad are in the audience. They are today. here, so I thought I'd do a nice story. Although, <laughs> although I will be telling the story about granddad later, <laughs> so you need to prepare yourself. So, uh, and then that little boy went home and had his first wank. <laughs> Don't applaud that. <laughs> Disgusting. Dan, have oh, you got... Tenderfoot. Dan, <laughs> has anything occurred to you this week? Yes, I saw, I saw Stockard Channing outside the National Portrait Gallery. Wow. Ooh, yes. Ooh, from uh, the West Wing and... From the West Wing Greece. and Greece, yes. And she's obviously had some work done. Because she, she had this sort of frozen face and swollen lip of an old woman who's been caught stealing a walnut whip from a pick-and-mix. <laughs> And then discovered they got a nut allergy. She was <laughs> terrific. Was Are terrific. you sure it wasn't just a portrait of Stockard Channing that was being heading into the portrait gallery? That would have. No. Uh, why would why would they be walking it around outside? The, <laughs> that wasn't carrying in. An awful in. picture. This doesn't look like Stockard Channing. This looks like an old woman with a nut allergy. That would be. Well, Stockard Channing's in town. Uh, uh, Christian, has anything occurred to you this week? Yes, I went to see uh, a, a, an ancient rock band uh, called Y and T. Oh, yeah. On Saturday night. Someone's Somebody impressed. heard of them? Have you heard of them? Yeah. There are... Anybody else? That bloke just says he's just heard of everything. He, was, <laughs> he claimed he'd read because Emma's book in the uh, intro. Oh, he's just joining just, in with everything. He's got Munchausen <laughs> syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> just very mild, boring case of it. So yeah, I've read that. Yeah, yeah. I've, uh, the only yeah, I've seen that band. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty good. They, they, it was pretty good, basically. <laughs> <laughs> I was all, you know, I realised that nobody's heard of them, so I'm not going to go on about it. But they're, they're a fantastic power rock band, uh, you know, seven-minute guitar solos. Yes. Kind of band that spell rock, R-A-W-K, and sing calls are done, and stuff like that. Good, we'll check them out. You, yeah, meant, you really meant to say no, 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 there was something a... funny in there. Anyway, uh, thanks very much, <laughs> Christian. I'm setting you up. Go, go and wash your hair. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> and sing a little jingle now. Okay. As it occurs to me, make sure you never eat our cucumber sandwiches. I don't know, the ones with tomatoes in are delicious. Um, here's what has occurred to me this week. Friday. Uh, I spent most of Friday uh, watching my new box set of Battlestar Galactica. Uh, yeah, Not the old 80s rubbish version, the new one with sexy Cylons who are like now women, women who take their clothes off. It's, it's good, mate. Now you're suddenly interested, aren't you? There's all, so there are some robots in it as well, if that's what gets you off. If you, if you like robots with a red eye that just goes back and forth, there's still some of that. If that's what gets you going, mate, it's... Whatever. But my favourite thing about Battlestar Galactica is that when they swear, they've made up their own swear word. It's really, which is fracking. Instead of saying fucking, they say unfuck. They say frack and fracking, which I like because it still means fuck, uh, clearly. So if you object to the word fuck, it must be because it means fuck. So just to replace it with another word that means the same is surely as bad. But you get away with saying frack instead of fuck. So I'm just the people there, fucking idiots. Sorry, fracking idiots. So uh, let's move on. Sunday. Beleaguered pop star Morrissey walked off stage after being struck on the head by a flying bottle thrown by a fan in the crowd, which I think is fair enough, really. <laughs> Who pays loads of money to go and see someone, then throws stuff at them? <laughs> Anyone brave enough? You know, <laughs> you could risk ending the show here and now. Got anything to chuck at me? No, you won't, because you're all chickens, aren't you? <laughs> no, no, got to take your knickers off and throw them if you like. Not you, mate, honestly. Uh, join in with that. Personally, I've always secretly wanted to have a furious audience chucking beer glasses at me on stage because I've come up with this brilliant remark that I can pretend is off the cuff if that ever happens. It would make me look like Oscar Wilde. So people are throwing beer glasses at me and then I would say, people who live in stone houses shouldn't throw glasses, which I thought would be pretty brilliant. Uh, so far, amazingly, it's never happened. Uh, the nearest I've been able to get to is people in stone houses shouldn't throw unsealed bottles full of their own piss. <laughs> Not quite as witty. Monday. Gordon Brown proved he couldn't do anything right today when the Sun newspaper furiously complained that he had a handwrit he'd handwritten a letter to the mother of a dead serviceman and the letter was sloppily written and strewn with spelling mistakes. Of course, if he'd typed it or got someone else to write it out neatly, they'd have criticised him for not actually writing his own letters of condolence. So he literally cannot win. I feel a bit sorry for him. He sent the letter. It's fucking ridiculous. They're having a go at him. But it was gratifying to see that one of his misspelled words was comfort, which he spells C-U-M-F-O-R-T. Glad to know you're a fan of the show, Prime Minister. How about whenever a soldier dies, you and the male cabinet members get together to make their mum a pumpkin? Uh, I can't see how anyone could misinterpret that as anything but a mark of respect. Also, you have to you'd have to produce so much sperm on such a regular basis, it might make you think twice about occupying foreign countries. Has it occurs to me? A slap in the face to all genuine fans of comedy. Thanks to uh, thanks to Michael RS83 for writing that jingle. He didn't know he did, but it was part of his iTunes review of the show. <laughs> One star. I'm glad at last someone has understood what I'm trying to do here. I'm trying to slap genuine fans of comedy in the face. But you know, I don't think that's enough. Like an ineffectual Terminator, I'm going to track down all the people called Michael R.S. who were born in 1983 and actually slap them in their stupid faces. I'll get you eventually, you cunt. Uh, don't want to leave the job half done. Tuesday. My week started on a high. It was, I thought it was going to be a brilliant week this week because I appeared at a benefit for Bletchley Park and found myself hop-nobbing. Oh, yeah, hop-nobbing. <laughs> There's going to be a whole new opening to the show based on that next week with... Um, <laughs> It's just when they're making a pint of beer, just before they've really got it going, <laughs> stick your cock in. So um, look it up on the Urban Dictionary, it's there. I found myself hobnobbing. It's almost like I'm doing it on purpose, I'm really not. Uh, I found myself hobnobbing, not eating chocolate biscuits. It's probably, that's probably something in itself, isn't it, hobnobbing? Never mind. With top celebrities Maggie Philbin and Johnny Ball. Really, I've been, yeah, I should be impressed because it's impressive, so sharp being sarcastic. I have, I've genuinely rarely been more excited to meet anyone. It was amazing. This is what happened. Hi, wow, I can't believe it's you. Maggie Philbin from off of Swap Shop and Tomorrow's World and Keith Chegwin's Cock. Yes. Yes, it is. Hi, Rich, nice to meet you. You're so beautiful and brainy, Maggie. How on earth did Chegwin manage to marry you? Did... Did they have Rehypnol in those days? I don't think... I, I kind of assumed he must have a massive cock or something, but then I saw him on that naked game show he did. It's, 
practically got a mangina, to be honest. Was he, was he a grower, not a shower? Well, it, it, it got smaller, if anything. Why were you with him then, Maggie? You could have had anyone. Well, you must never tell anyone this, but Keith Chegwin kidnapped my entire family and said that if I didn't do everything he said, he'd have them killed. Wow, I always thought Edmunds was the evil one from Swap Shop. Well, you, you wouldn't want to cross Edmunds. No. There would be consequences, yeah, if you know what I mean. But Cheggers was the evil one. But, you know, after nine years of marriage, I thought, fuck it. I don't care if he kills my family and got out of there. Did he kill your family? Yes. Yes, he did. <laughs> but uh, it was still worth oh, it. This is amazing. This is dynamite, no, this information. No, you must never tell anyone. Oh, no, no, I, I won't. I won't ever... <laughs> won't say a thing about that. It's secret. I can't believe I'm here as equals with big celebrities like you and Johnny Ball there. Hey, Rich, think of a number. OK. Is it 24? No, it was 4,523,798. Oh, I was close. Maths and science are amazing, aren't they? You know the broadcaster Zoe Ball? Yeah. She once lived in one of my testicles. Ah, <laughs> oh, isn't it incredible that someone so big once fit in somewhere so small? That's the wonder of science. <laughs> has, has Johnny Ball gone a bit mental? He <laughs> no, was always like that, to be honest. Global warming doesn't exist. I'm going to prove it with this hat stand and an ordinary piece of string. You know what, I don't care, I still love him. That man could disembowel a panda on stage tonight and everyone would still think he was brilliant. And rightly so, he is brilliant. I can't believe I'm here with my childhood heroes. Well, Rich, you are, and you've made it. You're our equal and our friend. We can all go out in the town together and probably get our photo in the tabloids. That's what I've always secretly dreamed of. Now I'm friends with big celebrities. Last week it was Jeremy Paxman. Oh, pack a like a duck duck Yeah, you know him. <laughs> When you boil my week down to just 45 minutes, it seems like I have quite an exciting life, but you do have to ignore the other 167 hours and 15 minutes where I do nothing but sleep, masturbate, play Professor Layton's Curious Village and watch Battlestar Galactica. Hey, why don't you, me and Johnny Ball... I'm the God King of Space! ...all go out together? All go out together on Thursday nights? What, to a celebrity hangout like the Groucho Club? No, no, none of us are famous enough to get in there. But maybe to Texas Fried Chicken on the Gold Hawk Road. They've got one plastic table in there, and if none of the hard local lads are there, we could all sit on the moulded plastic seats and eat fried chicken and talk about how brilliant it was to have been on TV 10 to 20 years ago. It's a date. This was amazing. At last, after all this time, I was going to be hanging out with celebrities and only celebrities. I could ditch all my pathetic non-celebrity friends. Goodbye, Brian Bancroft. See you, Philip Fry. I'm in with the in crowd now. I don't need you anymore. I'm just I'm going to be like my hero, David Walliams, and have no one who is my friend who isn't famous. But, <laughs> but then on Thursday, my life turned upside down like I was the fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I... I <laughs> I got a call to say that the Russell Howard show, you know, I've been working on that as a script associate for four... They're letting me go. Uh, I was being sacked from the only job I'm doing at the moment that I get paid for. They said it was because I could only work with them on Fridays and they needed someone who could be in on Mondays, but I knew what this was really about. It was the Haribos. I'd eaten too many Haribos at the meetings, then bragged about eating the Haribos on AI Ottoma. No, don't, don't, don't do that now. This is a sad bit. It's inappropriate. You know, and this was my punishment. Rich, you know, to be honest, you, you didn't really do any work for them and you kept yeah, showing off that you were using the time to write for this show instead and used some of, the di some of the ideas you'd written for him in this show. I didn't expect anyone to listen to this, though. So I didn't... <laughs> anyway, that was only a joke. I worked really hard. I was bereft on this. It, if it wasn't for that, this stupid, rubbish podcast show I'm doing, I'd still have a proper job on actual TV. BBC Three, it still counts. This, this is your fault, you idiots. If I wasn't doing this vanity project, then I've had some actual real work on TV. I just want to be on TV, that's all. Be friends with celebrities, let me be on TV, please. This is everyone's fault but mine. <laughs> well, it's you that are gonna suffer. Without that Russell Howard money, I'm really gonna have to compromise on the production values of this show. That's right, there'll be no roulette wheel in the next week's show. <laughs> At least I had Texas fried chicken with Philbin and Ball to look forward to. But then I got a phone call. Uh, hello, Richard. It's Maggie Philbin here. What, from the adventure game? And I love 1981, but none of the other I love 1980s series. I've been so excited about seeing you that I've been looking you up on the imdb.com database. Mm, sorry, Richard. Johnny Ball and me can't come out tonight. We're uh, doing a thing. 
What's happened, Maggie? You were my friend. Why are you suddenly so cold? Look, I only wanted to be friends with you because you were a script associate on Russell Howard's Good News, <laughs> writing up to two ideas a week that Russell would actually use, and now you've been fired. I'm sorry. Maggie, no! Maggie, please be my friend. Please. Why? <laughs> I learned a valuable lesson this week that showbiz friendships are shallow, and it's your real friends that they're better than the, the people you imagine you like because you've seen them on TV when you were little. I mean, you wouldn't think an adult man would have had to learn such an obvious truth, but I, I did need to. But now I've got no friends at all. Oh, by the way, my lawyers have asked me to point out that the Maggie Philbin from Swap Shop and Tomorrow's World in that sketch is in no way meant to represent the presenter with the same na name, who coincidentally was also in shows with the same name. As it occurs to me... Any similarity to persons living or dead is purely coincidental and insufficient grounds for legal prosecution. None of that stuff happened, by the way, uh, except for the thing about Chegwin imprisoning and killing her family and having a tiny cock that gets smaller when it gets erect. That was, that was... Thursday. I got about my tenth media request in as many days to discuss offensiveness in comedy, this time from The Independent. I'm so fed up about this pathetic subject, uh, so I told them to go fuck themselves. But uh, to save me some time in the future, I've decided to use this podcast to explain everything I think about this issue, and so that I can just tell lazy journalist scum to listen to this, and they can leave me alone, and they'll have it explained to them. This bit isn't very funny, it just explains what's going on. It's the as it occurs to me, offensiveness special. It's there. As it occurs to me, offensiveness special. Testicles. Steady on, Christ. Come on, don't go too far. Uh, it seems to me the whole world has gone mad. Almost exactly a year ago, Russell Brand and Jonathan Ross made a prank phone call, and it seems like TV executives thought... Uh, two of our broadcasters got a bit overexcited and made a slightly rude phone call to an old man, but realising they'd gone too far and apologised, their apology was accepted, and the old man asked everyone to move on with their lives. This is the worst thing that has ever happened in the history of the world! It is time to dismantle comedy! It's got out of hand. People are getting offended by anything now. You may have seen, have I got news for you? Miranda Hart read out a joke about a dodgy Prince Philip gaff on Have I Got News For You? There is no place for racism in the modern world and the sooner that Greek twit and his kraut wife realise it, the better. It's a joke that, you know, it's clearly taking the piss out of racism rather than being racist itself. But there was uproar. Someone wrote to points of view saying some jokes... Verge on hateful racial prejudice. For instance, Miranda Hart referred to the Queen as a kraut. No, she didn't. She, she read off a joke written by someone else on an autocue, which is taking the piss out of racism. Anyway, kraut isn't offensive to anyone anyway. Stop being a total dick. Uh, Frankie Boyle quit his job on a panel show and a man wrote to Time Out to say, yeah, I'm glad he left Mock the Week. It means I don't have to listen to his profanity and abuse. But that's all Mock the Week is. Mock the Week is full of profanity and abuse. That's the point of it. So if you watch the show, you're still going to have to listen to other people's profanity and abuse and someone will replace Boyle and be just as profane and abusive as he was. But you know what? You didn't have to listen to Boyle's profanity and abuse in the first place. You could have turned off or turned over. I don't particularly like Mock the Week. That's what I choose to do. I turn it off. I fucking hate profanity and abuse. <laughs> and I think Frankie Ball's a cunt for using them. But clearly some people like profanity and abuse. I don't see why they shouldn't be allowed to see it because me and a bloke from Time Out don't enjoy it as much. As I told my old mate, old Pakalakadakdak last week, it's probably easier that we make individual decisions on this on our own rather than us all having to be guided by someone with no sense of irony or someone who hasn't worked out how to use a remote control. Isn't it easier for people to decide what kinds of show they might not like or might offend them and then just not watch those shows themselves? It seems they're getting so overwrought and offended by such trivial and pointless things. We're, we're devaluing the idea of offence. If we get apoplectic about someone saying kraut, then how are we meant to react to things that are truly offensive, like genocide? It's, there's nowhere to go. And the main thing about being offended is that I don't think you're meant to enjoy it, really, are you? I think it's... You're meant to be offended, not be having fun. It seems like people are getting off on it a bit too much. In, in getting offended by stuff, people are making things a whole lot worse. If no one had complained about Frankie Boyle's Rebecca Adlington joke, then it would have been forgotten. Rebecca Adlington would never have heard of it. But now, because someone was spunking up in their pants about the opportunity <laughs> to seem morally indignant about a joke about someone's nose, rather than, say, the fact that homosexuals are being executed in Iran, or the Catholic Church's policy on condoms is helping to spread AIDS in Africa, or the fact that we're embroiled in an unwillable conflict in Afghanistan, and our 
soldiers are being killed for little to no good reason. The, the Rebecca Adlington joke has been endlessly repeated and now will be tacked onto the bottom of every article about offensive jokes for the next 20 years for everyone to read it in the future as well. If people cared about Adlington's feelings, then they would have kept their mouths shut about it. But they don't care about their, her feelings. They care about appearing the most morally outraged or having their cake and eating it and retelling the joke under the veneer of concern. We have to stand up to this now or no one will be able to say anything in case it upsets some twat with an empty life who can only feel complete, complete if they're complaining on someone else's behalf. All comedians and broadcasters have to become terrorists. The only way to stop these pointless complaints is for us all to become increasingly more offensive <laughs> all the time. And the more people complain, the more offensive we will then get. As long as everyone in broadcasting gets on board, we can do it. Then they can't sack us all. It's the only way these fucking fuck fucks are going to learn. <laughs> So join me. If you're a broadcaster or comedian, please join me in this campaign. You may have noticed I've started already there. Uh, we can't work in this climate of fear. I want to see the, this being the news. Good evening, motherfuckers. Here is the pricking news. A suicide bomber killed 25 people in a Baghdad market today, and I'm delighted that happened. Ha ha, bad luck deados. I wish I was there to point and laugh at the horribly maimed survivors. They deserved it too, for being foreign. <laughs> in other news, Gordon Brown has sent the relatives of everyone who died in 9-11 a picture of his cock. <laughs> and written on it, I liked it when the buildings fell down on 8-11. I haven't just made that up to make him look like a tool. I think the one show would probably get better as well. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Adrian Childs. And I'm Christine Blakely. And, as you can see, my pants and trousers are down around my ankles and, and Christine's tromboning me. Yes. Yes, I am. Yeah, that strange nub in there, that, that's my erect penis. I've, uh, I've got what's known in the business as a cheek win. Uh, you don't often see something like that on BBC One at 7pm, do you? And I can tell you for sure that Adrian has never had a back sack and crack in his life. I'm about to cough up the most disgusting hairball ever seen. <laughs> Oh, you love it, you whore. Just come on, lick it. Lick it, Christine, lick it. I, I don't want to get Charles Brandon to do this. Come on. Yeah. And, I, and I do want you to know that I haven't washed my undercarriage for three weeks now. It's, um, it tastes like fermented bovril down there, doesn't it, Christine? Yes. It really does. Please stop being offended, or he will never let me stop this. Oh, uh, actually, I, I hope you will continue to be offended, because uh, this is fucking brilliant. Uh, oh, yeah. Later on the show, I'm going to punch Dame Vera Lynn in the tits and uh, shout, I think Hitler was right about everything. And I hope the Blue Peter presenters won't turn out to be scabs on this issue. Hello, today on Blue Peter, we're going to be seeing if it's possible to extract a tortoise from its shell and keep it alive. And I'm going to be making a rug from the pelt of cats and dogs and making a casserole from their meat and amusing skeleton puppets from their bones. But first, I have to show you how to slowly throttle a beloved pet. Come Are on. you glad you complained about Rebecca Addington now? Are you? This is your fault! Your fault! You cock juggling thunder cunts! Is it a curse to me, offensiveness special? And if you're listening to this, you're a cuck, you're a spunk munching, super mega cunting, grandmother rimming, your pubic hair needs trimming, your breath smells of donkey cocks, your cock smells of donkey breath, and that donkey's been eating feces and aborted fetuses. Yeah, you're a weirdo, a pedophile, a baby raping coprophile. You love to wear a pumpkin. You sodomized a pumpkin. Yeah, and everybody thinks you're a twit. Yeah, that's right, I called you a twit. Yeah, what you gonna do about me calling you a twit? Ooh, I'm scared. I'm being sarcastic, I'm not actually scared. I could have you easily, you twit. No, I'm not taking it back. You're a twitty, 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 twit. And a cunt. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, you heard it. Some, some pretty offensive stuff in there. What are you going to do? Sack me? No. <laughs> anyway, let's see what's been occurring to our wonderful audience. Uh, anyone had anything uh, interesting or horrible occur to them this week? Hands up if you have. To. There's a man, gentleman over there. What's happened to you, sir? Um, I had a message on a gay dating website. Today. You had a message on a gay dating website? Yeah. 
How did that go for you? Yeah, into active in West Nor. Are you just trying to broadcast this to a wider audience? <laughs> uh, active in West Norwood and into anything safe and sane. Yeah. Good. Is that it? Um, Wait, what's your what's your email address? Have you? <laughs> well, did you post this yourself? Um, no. Someone posted it on your behalf. Um, I didn't post <laughs> you didn't post it. Oh, you're into stuff. You're into stuff that's insane. Strange man. So, uh, is there, if you want to have insane gay sex, there's a man. Come down. Well, you know, come down to the Leicester Square Theatre every Monday at eight o'clock. There's at least one person in here who's in into that. Anyone else? Thanks for sharing. Uh, anyone else? I thought I was offensive. Here we go. Yes, the young lady. A bloke told his small young son that I was just a whore. <laughs> What's going on with this audience? Where we at? A bloke told... If you didn't hear that at home, a bloke told his small young son that she was just a whore. Was there, was there a reason? Were you, were you procuring sex at the time? Did he come down to the red light district? She's just a whore. What happened? So you're working a... Uh... <laughs> I hope you got that at home. She was working in a scare attraction. What is a scare attraction? Uh, the London Dungeons. The London Dungeons, okay. Could, could be where you could go there for something. Actually, I, I once uh, went to the London Dungeons. Yeah. So do you work at the London Dungeons? Yeah. She waved there, that was and, nice. Yeah, I waved Hello. back, I waved back. And Are you an um... out-of-work actress by any chance? Yeah. <laughs> so... And... <laughs> Some um, people do that because they just love dressing and, up. And there was, there, there was this guy with these two little boys and, and they went into that room that's like got the shackles where they hang people on the walls. Is it still there? Yeah. And one of the boys, he was probably only about six, and he started crying a little bit and his dad turned to him and said, don't worry, it's only people acting badly. <laughs> but it was a boy, so it wasn't you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would never have been so rude. Uh, <laughs> good luck getting a proper job. Uh, so, uh, anyone else got... I want to go for one more. Okay, my goodness. Hello. I was on a bus in East London. This is yes. already good. I was on a bus in East London. And there were uh, three, about 16 to 17-year-old girls. Three 16 to 17-year-old girls. Someone else. Oh my god, it's like A.A. Gill, but on the a. bus. A.A. Gill's daughter. Yeah. <laughs> Taking it, the next generation takes it a bit further. Uh, if someone gets ill, she's going to... I hope you all heard that I mean, most, most teenagers in East London just don't need an excuse. So they just, <laughs> just go for it. Yeah, fair enough. So uh, any other stories? Emma Kennedy had something about your granddad. Yes, we um, uh, went with my mum and dad. We had, uh, we had a lovely birthday party of my, my grandfather, who was, uh, who's 90. Oh. And uh, yeah. he, he's a bit of a character... Um, we think he's a, he was a spy, don't we, Mum and Dad? Yeah, yeah, we, we're, pro- we're pretty convinced. Yeah, don't build your part up, Mum. And, um, and uh, he, he's quite an eccentric uh, fellow, and uh, he's been a lifelong communist and, uh, and a nudist. And, and we're at this very lovely lunch at the Civil Service Club, just off Whitehall, and uh, everyone there, you know, there's some, there's some people who are getting on a bit in, in their days there. It's, it's a nice gathering. And at the end of the dinner, my grandfather stands up and, and announces that some, some film students have, have actually made a documentary film about him. And he put it on. <laughs> and the opening sequence, we're all sitting there, we've just had a three-course meal. The opening sequence was of my naked 90-year-old grandfather lying on his back, cycling in the air with his legs. And the screen was basically just his ass and balls. That's called a dead letter drop in yeah. spite of the That was... Uh, family lunch. Were they big? Were they big, saggy old man testicles? No, they, they, they were surprisingly were they bald. bald. Were Who knew that? Bald. Yeah, yeah. It, look, let's not talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> I 
we don't weren't really want to think about it anymore. <laughs> How about you, Dan Tetzel? I saw, I saw the most annoying thing in the world. Well, no, it probably isn't. That's hyperbole. Um, but for comic effect, so forgive me. Um, it was a book in uh, Waterstones, and they're called uh, Personalise Your Own Classic. I don't know if you've seen them. And what you can do is you basically you can choose to replace characters from uh, Hound of the Baskervilles or Romeo and Juliet with your own name. You send off this, and then they send you back your your own first edition. Of, and, it, and the one on the back of Hand of Baskerville say, for instance, Sherlock Holmes becomes Trevor Holmes. <laughs> and, then, uh, the, uh, and then the final bit says, says for the book lover. <laughs> oh, you know Trevor really loves books? Yeah, well, let's give him a shit version of a good book. Let's just fuck up a book. Trevor would love that. Let's just not actually not send Trevor a book. Let's just smear shit in a, an old, an actual first edition of the Hand of the Baskervilles and give it. What a waste! Oh. I'd like to see Trevor and Juliet would be better, wouldn't Trevor it? And Juliet, Trevor and Juliet. Trevor, Trevor. Wherefore art thou, Trevor? They would slightly Pride and Trevor. <laughs> you know, recherche. Couldn't Trevor have Trevor. a surname in the Sherlock Holmes? Well, hopefully it was He's Holmes. Only it was just, I don't know. I didn't <laughs> okay. waste the 1999. It cost. That's very good. I wish I'd seen that. And a good bit put in the show. If you edit well, that's, it, uh, you could cut it out and put it in next week. I would, OK. We don't do that. Well, that's enough uh, filling up time with ad-lib material. Now back to the script. Thursday. After recording the other podcast I do, the Collings and Herring podcast, why not subscribe to it via iTunes? It really needs the help. It's way down there. Not, not in the top ten like this one. Uh, I went out for dinner with Andrew, I love 1983 Collings, who got a voucher for two burgers and a portion of chips for £10 at the Gourmet Burger Kitchen. He's nothing if not a tightwad. Uh, he said he wanted to discuss our forthcoming appearance sitting in for Adam and Joe on Six Music, but I knew he had other things on his mind. Andrew, uh, you know when you were on, um... <laughs> you know when you were on uh, I Love 1981? Oh yes, it was my best work. <laughs> it's the best work I've ever done in my life. Did you uh, get to meet Maggie Philby? Oh yes, we're still friends actually. I'm, I'm going down the arcade with her tomorrow as it goes. <laughs> Have another drink, Rich. Well, that's another drink? Are you trying to get me drunk, Andrew? Yes. Yes, I am. What, what are you playing at? Oh, Rich, I just really want to be on as it occurs to me. Hey, hi, Ottoma. Hey, hi, Ottoma. <laughs> it is my favourite podcast. <laughs> Let me be in one of the sketches. No. No, Andrew, you'd be oh, rubbish in it. No. You can't act. I can. I can do that. I can do... <laughs> Bruce Forsyth, listen. You could do Orville. Oh. <laughs> I've not listened. I don't know what he said. Like. Oh, it's good game, good game. Look, everyone could do Bruce Forsyth. Oh. I'm making it a rule. You will never be on my other podcast. No, no, come on. Now, what if I wrote a sketch about us? What if you wrote a sketch yeah. about us going out to dinner together? Could I play myself in that? No, you're, you're not even a good enough actor to play yourself. <laughs> oh, but that Basil Brush bloke, yeah, wants useless impressions by his own admission. He could never do my voice. I agree, I agree. <laughs> I agree, he is untalented oh. to a, an embarrassing degree, but he is oh. still, he's still better at doing your voice than you are. You're probably right. And doing a sketch based on this conversation would be self-indulgence of the highest order. It would certainly be a slap in the face to all genuine comedy fans. You're... <laughs> You'll never be on the show, Collings, never. Not even on the last episode as a surprise treat, so don't even think it's not going to happen. I haven't said that, because it is going to happen. You'll never be allowed on. That's, uh, and I leave me alone. I'm going to the supermarket. Uh, and that's what I did. I went to the supermarket, and I was a little bit drunk. Now, it's, it's fun going to the supermarket when you're drunk. I recommend it. You end up buying some unusual things that you will never need, like a can of Borlotti beans and some Calgon tablets. <laughs> Good thing is, if you're not drunk you, already, you can just grab a few cans of beer and drink them as you go on the way around. So you can. I bought a few things uh, this evening, including eight Muller Light blueberry yogurts. Uh, a few years ago, when I bought nine yogurts all in one go, the lady at the supermarket checkout said, "Oh, someone likes yogurt." And I was offended by her mocking tone, as I don't like yogurts any more than the average lactose tolerant consumer. I like them a normal amount. I just buy them in bulk so they will last 
for a longer time, so I don't have to keep going to the shop. I can just get them out of the fridge. Uh, I wrote a long routine defending myself, which you can see if you buy my DVD, Someone Like Shoggart, from www.gofasterstrike.com, which actually you should really listen to before if you haven't heard it, because it'll make this a bit funnier. So uh, if you haven't heard it, pause the, DV- the podcast now, send off for the DVD, uh, and, and watch it uh, before you continue listening. It might take a few days for that to happen. Just Why not make yourself a pumpkin while you're waiting? Um, <laughs> But pause it now, and then I'll tell you when to start again. It's not going to work, is it, thinking about it? But uh, anyway, since that day, I've realised that nine yoghurts is a ridiculous and laughable amount of yoghurt for one man to buy on his own. So now I never buy more than eight yoghurts in one go, and no one has ever mocked me again. Today, though, when I got to the checkout, I realised that there was some leaked yoghurt on my groceries. Perhaps in my drunkenness, I'd put the yoghurts in the basket too aggressively. That might have caused the damage, but let's not apportion blame here. And if we do, let's apportion it to the yogurt pot manufacturers. As regular yogurt purchases who neither like or hate yogurt more than a normal person would will know, yogurts are prone to such mishaps in the supermarket. Their taut foil lids, lids can get spiked by something like a carrot or the edge of a box of Calgon. And they can sometimes just peel off as the yogurt jostles for position amongst the other non yogurt items. I think we've all been there this thing on. <laughs> it's more annoying when this happens after you've purchased the yoghurt and it's in your carrier bag on the way home because then there's nothing you can do, isn't it, eh? You know? <laughs> Michael McIntyre makes this observational stuff look a lot easier than it, than it actually is. So, uh, anyway, I was fortunate that I'd spotted the defective ruined yoghurt before it had been scanned. I should have just told the man on the checkout, but in my drunkenness, I was worried he might accuse me of deliberate yoghurt sabotage, make me pay for the useless broken yoghurts, and I didn't want to make a fuss or lose my place in the queue or have to send someone out to go and replace the yoghurt. There were still seven yoghurts left, weren't there? So it should see me through at least three and a half days, probably a week, maybe probably more. I don't eat that much yoghurt, as I said. So... So my evil drunken brain decided the best thing was to put the damaged yoghurt in the pile of empty baskets under the conveyor belt and no one saw the perfect crime. But then I noticed that another of my yoghurts had also been punctured. It was getting yoghurt on the conveyor belt and on my other food items. Deftly, I placed that yoghurt in the basket as well, just seconds before the next customer arrived behind me. Had he seen? I didn't think so. Unless some pesky kids were going to launch some kind of independent investigation into this, it looked like I had gotten away with it. But the man behind me had now emptied his own basket and wanted to place the empty basket in the pile of empty baskets, but he couldn't because of my broken yoghurts. Oh. I just kept staring ahead. I didn't want to tip him off. I assumed he'd realised that the yoghurts had been deliberately placed there. Surely he'd just put his basket underneath mine. Or maybe on top of it, ignoring the yoghurts. It didn't really matter, did it? It wasn't his problem. Understanding that whoever put them there decided against purchasing the yoghurts. But he wasn't going to let this go. He looked at me, he addressed me. Are these yoghurts yours? I couldn't believe he was drawing attention to this. I was just minutes away from leaving the supermarket scot-free and the leaving the yoghurts behind, and here he was shouting out about them to all and sundry. He must have known they were mine, it was obvious. You don't have to be Professor Layton to work that out. I had six blueberry yoghurts on the conveyor belt in front of me. If you look closely, there was blueberry yoghurt smeared on my groceries and between my fingers, and the, the two broken blueberry yoghurts were in the top basket of the pile of used baskets, like the last person who'd used them had put them. Everything pointed towards me being the yoghurt dumping culprit. Oh, excuse me, are these your yoghurts? But I came up with a brilliant ruse to get out of this. I said, no. (laughs) He didn't know what to say. It was such a blatant lie that it was unanswerable. He'd assumed I would own up, given that they obviously were my yoghurts, but I thought it was equally obvious that I didn't want the yoghurts and I was going to deny any knowledge of ever having seen them. It was just a crazy coincidence, all the stuff. I was going to be brazen about this. Oh, right. Um, are you sure? Those yoghurts are nothing to do with me. Uh, it's just there's some yoghurts in the basket, so I can't get my basket in. What was wrong with him? It was obvious that the yoghurts were mine, but I didn't want them, and they weren't massively inconveniencing him. Yes, I shouldn't have selfishly tried to hide the problem away so inexpertly, but... What was done was done. There was no point in crying over spilt yoghurt. Why didn't he just leave it? Was he drunk at 7.30 on a Thursday evening? It's disgusting. 
he was clearly trying to drop me in it. A member of staff passed. Uh, excuse me, someone's put two yogurts in this basket. I, I, couldn't put, I can't put my basket in because of the yogurts. I wanted to shout, Jesus Christ, man! Why are you doing this? Do you, are you trying to get me sent to prison? Of course the fucking yogurts were mine, but they got broken and I didn't want them. But I don't want to get into trouble or have to bother explaining myself. Just start a new pile of baskets and shut your stupid mouth. But I didn't. I didn't say that though, because that would have given it away. <laughs> I just stared ahead as if none of this was anything to do with me. Luckily, the member of staff didn't care. Oh, yeah, yeah, they look like they're leaking. Someone probably dumped them. I'll take them away for you. The man's plan to bring me down had failed. <laughs> you thought you'd get me into trouble, didn't you? Man behind me in the waitress queue. Well, fuck you. I broke those yoghurt through my own crapulous clumsiness and then dumped them without paying for them, losing Waitrose tens of pence of revenue and there's nothing you can do about it. Fuck you, man behind me in the supermarket. Suck my mother's homemade toffee. I defeated you. And do you know what I did when I got home, Snitch? I ate a delicious yoghurt. <laughs> and then had a wank. Thinking of your stupid complaining face. Covered in yoghurt. Yum, yum, yum. I think I might finally have snapped. It's what's known in the business as doing a Johnny Ball. As it occurs to me, yeah. Most comedians have no overlong routines about buying yoghurt from supermarkets. But Richard Herring, he has two overlong routines about buying yoghurt from supermarkets. Yeah, take that other comedians. Y'all are bitches. <laughs> Well, that's pretty much another show done and dusted. I'd say Andrew Collins did get his uh, revenge on me, actually, because we did the uh, Andrew and Joe show on, on Six Music on, on Saturday morning. It's still available on iPlayer. But if you go and look at iPlayer, first of all, when you go to it, it's just a picture of Andrew Collins. Like, I don't... <laughs> like, I was nothing to do. Like, it was his show, and I'm nothing to do, which I'm offended about. And then when we done the actual recording, uh, Liz Kershaw was the next DJ on, and after we were just leaving the building, she just said, thanks there to Andrew Collins and friend. In the kingdom of six music, Andrew Collins is king. Out of me and him, but still pretty shit. Uh, compared. Anyway, I have to say, uh, uh, I did tell the audience this before, but I, uh, when we were rehearsing this show, um, there was only two people in who were representatives from uh, the publishers that are printing my next book, and it was really, really embarrassing having to do this show to just two people. It's much better when there's a couple of hundred people in here. I felt like an idiot saying pumpkin over. I'm 42 years old. I could see. I think I might not get the book published now. It was embarrassing. Anyway, I hope you at home are enjoying these. It takes quite a lot of effort and stress, as you might have noticed from the madness of this show, to write an hour of brand new material every week. Though luckily it hasn't sent me mental or anything. Uh, and I can't tell you how it keeps me going to go to iTunes and see the one-star reviews slagging me off <laughs> for being such a cunt to spend three days of my week putting this together for free. So please keep those coming in. Because <laughs> they make me realise however tragic my sad life is, it's not as bad as being you. <laughs> Someone who just complains about podcasts they don't like rather than going... You could just go and watch Battlestar Galactica at least. Give, give yourself some semblance of being a normal human being. Uh, it'd be great if the people who do enjoy listening to the show because uh, uh, they like it could come down to the Les Square Theatre for one of the remaining five shows. Uh, I will get my cock out next week if we sell every ticket. Though you won't really... Oh, Depp, I will. It's like... Uh, it's, yeah, I will. <laughs> He'll like still Keith, be Keith sitting Checker. on the front. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be right then. Yum, yum, yum in. Uh, that won't be on the podcast either, the cop. Uh, uh, sorry, be sorry. Uh, yes, officer, uh, excuse me, uh, Mr. Yeah? Richard, Richard Keith Herring. Yes, that's yeah, me. Yeah, I uh, what, need to talk to you. What is it, constable? <laughs> sorry, officer, that's a different thing. Yeah, I'm an officer. You made that's me put officer fine. in. Officer. Yeah. Officer. Has my hard-hitting offensive comedy proved too much for the so-called authorities? You're going to imprison me and turn me into a mart of comedy like Lenny Bruce? Go ahead, I don't care, it's what I want. No, no, it's, uh, it's not that. I'm here regarding an incident that occurred in Waitrose supermarkets <laughs> on Thursday evening. I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't do anything. Those yoghurts were broken already. Anyway. Yoghurts? 
I said nothing about yogurts. I just thought it might have been yogurts because when I was there, I noticed some yogurts in the basket when I got to the checkout, Mm -hmm. but I just left them there, didn't do anything and said nothing because that's what any normal person would do. Don't don't waste your breath. I've been in the audience the whole time and heard your full and frank confession. All I can say is that someone likes doing overlong routines about yogurts. Why were you in the audience? How did you know about this? I think I can answer that one. It's, it's you, the man behind me in the queue from Waitrose. Yes, that's right. Uh, you thought you'd gotten away with it, didn't you? But you didn't reckon on my overwhelming desire to interfere with someone else's business. Hold, hold on, you're the actual man from the supermarket yes, in Waitrose, and yet you sound exactly the same as Dan Tetzel portrayed you in the Reconstruction Sex sketch we did. Yes, did. I do. Yes, It turns out that Dan Tetzel is an excellent impressionist. <laughs> Despite you maligning his work, uh, I admire him greatly. I think he's too good for this show. Hope it will lead to more lucrative and higher profile work in the future. <laughs> oh, thank you. That's very kind of you. No, it's my pleasure. <laughs> but how did he do that? How did Dan Tessel do He hadn't even heard you speak before now. Well, he's that good an impressionist. <laughs> anyway, take him away, officer. It was just two yogurts. Oh, well, waitrose, take the breakage of yogurts very seriously, Mr. Herring. Very seriously indeed. And also, you are being sued for libel by Keith Chegwin. But my podcast... Oh, there'll be no podcast where you're going. To prison. You'll get life without parole for this. But what about the next five episodes? Uh, no, don't worry. I- I'll take over the remainder of the series. Um, it's it's going to be all about what's occurred to me, the man behind you in the queue of waitress. So it's going to be mainly be about you snitching on people who've done nothing much wrong, then? Mainly that, yes. yes. Oh, how interesting. Well, uh, I don't think you're in any position to criticise anyone for being boring. Yogato. <laughs> I met Maggie Philbin! Mm. Maggie Philbin! Mm. I was briefly friends with Maggie Philbin! Come on, sir, you're embarrassing yourself. Maggie Philbin! Well, thank you for coming, everyone. That's the end of the show. Goodbye! <laughs> As it occurs to me, it was written by and starred Richard Herring with Dan Tetzel, he's very good, TV's Emma Kennedy, and me, the man behind Rich in the queue at Waitrose. Christian Riley did the musical bits. Ben Walker was in charge. With thanks to Damien Coldwell, Emma Brundy, Alice Russell, Kelly Enfield, Rock Ted Fear, and everyone at the Leicester Square Theatre. Special, uh, special thanks to Orange Mark and the British Comedy Guide. This is Avalon and Skype Data Production and was sponsored by the Royal Society Prevention to Cruelty to Yogurts. Yes, there is. <laughs> <laughs>